0: Um, I want to apologize ahead of time. I am going to be drinking tea and possibly using a Kleenex because my my morning decided to be um, started with just hacking up a lung. So I've had a cold over the last few days. I know several others are joining me in that. And my expectation is that the coughing that will occur throughout this sermon are going to be amens and praises to God. So if you have to cough, feel free. You are more than welcome to do so here at Crosspoint Church. Uh, as I said, my I don't think I said. My name is Scott. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's so good to see you all this morning. And this morning, just make sure I'm not sitting on something wrong. This morning, we are going to be talking about one of our points. And I think we're having the tapping, so I'm going to grab this other mic just in case it continues. We are talking about our third point of give, and give in relationship to discipleship. Now, we talk about give, but I kind of feel like, I feel like Paul writing First Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 4 9, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. That's how I feel about talking to you about giving. I feel like I don't have to, that you guys get it, that you're working towards it, that you're growing in it, that the ways that we are going to be discussing giving today, you just just know it. But it is an important aspect of our discipleship, and I think what can happen is people don't realize that giving is directly related to discipleship, that it's right there. That it's not something that's like, hey, you're a believer in Jesus, and you found a church, and now, are you giving? That it is an essential element of your relationship with Christ, of your growth into the image of Jesus, and that it is so important. Before we get into that, I want to tell you about proclamations. I have this habit, since I was very young, of making proclamations, making very big decisions and saying, this is how it's going to be. These were not positive proclamations. All right, we're going to turn this off and switch to the other mic. My apologies. These were not positive proclamations. These were usually foolish, stupid things that I decided. For example, at one point, I decided that I would have spiked hair. That once I hit 16 years old, I would have spiked hair, and it would be amazing. It wasn't. It didn't work. I also decided at 13 years old that the Bible was too hard to read, and therefore it's only for adults to read, so I will not read it until I become an adult. Also a stupid proclamation. But the two that are of importance today, This, if you have strong-willed children, you might be used to proclamations. I made two major ones. The first came because I loved computers and technology. I was fascinated with it. We would we would take old computers and break them down and rebuild them. I built my own computer for going off to school. I started from the ground up, built everything, picked out the case, did everything myself, broke a motherboard, because I was an idiot, and like spent my savings and my money that I earned or I received for high school graduation towards computer towards this computer. And so when I was choosing what I would do in life, I made a very important decision. And that was I would never work in technology and I would never teach. Because when you are the kid that understands computers, and specifically when you're the youngest son and the two other brothers have left the house, all of a sudden you are the person that gets to help your parents. All the time. And my parents are very smart. My mom has an English degree. My dad is an expert in drafting and specifically can help businesses be better with the machinery that they use. And they're, they're very smart. But I swear, I would show my dad the same three steps to open Microsoft Word every other day. It's like you click start, you go to the folder, and there's Microsoft Word. Show it to me again. Are you kidding? Like, are you serious? No. And so at that point, I decided, I will never become an IT guy. I will never become an IS guy. I can't handle people. I'm impatient. No teaching. And the other one was another love. I loved old books, and I liked thinking about hard theology, and I liked big ideas. And so as I was becoming a preacher, I knew something very, very clearly. That I would never work with children ever, because I have no business working with children. Now, for those of you that know me, both of these things you are thinking, oh, um, Scott, there's a little problem there. Um, A, you work with kids, and B, I'm pretty sure you're teaching right now. Yes, that is exactly the point. But as a young person, the only thing that came into my mind was if I didn't feel like I was great at it, I can't. I can't do it. And I am refusing, and I am establishing right here. I didn't want to bang because I have this. I would usually bang, but I'm not banging. I don't want to lose my teeth. I was establishing, I can't do that. And I feel like we do it too much. I feel like we all do it, and we do it way too much. And you're probably wondering, what changed? What changed? How did you get from there to now? What changed in your life to make that happen? And what changed was me coming to understand give and what it meant in my life. To help you understand, we're going to be looking at three things. We're going to be looking at why we give. We're going to be looking at what we give. And we are going to be looking at how we give. And first up is the why. And it's, we give because Jesus gave much. Now, I think there's going to be a verse that's going to want to come up. Hold off on that, because I want to share something with you. <coughs> on Friday, yep, good job. Good job, whoever's. I think it's Courtney's on it. No, nope, no, nope, it's the new girl. New girl is working hard. I won't name her, so you guys can't judge her later. But she, she's working hard. On Friday, I was teaching the kids about this very thing and specifically from the text we're about to read. And I was teaching them about why we give on Christmas. And I feel like, as a kid, it was always like, we give because of the Magi. The three kings came and gave to Jesus. And I'm like, well, that doesn't fit. I've always wondered. I'm like, how can you say that's the reason we give? They gave to Jesus. I'm giving to my brother a CD. It's a country CD. I don't know if Jesus would want a country CD. How does that fit? And then one day I was reading, or I was told, I don't want to take all the credit. I was reading Philippians 2. I was like, oh, that's that's where giving comes from. But I wanted to take that and teach that to children. I'm like, well, how how can I take this text and teach it to a child? Now, on Friday, one of our our little members of the church, Noel Petrick, had her birthday, and I had a brilliant idea. I'm like, I will tempt her. I will give her an option to completely like succeed and show everybody what it means to give, or I'll give her an option to be a possible spoiled child. Now, as you know the Patrick's Noel is going to be perfect. So what we did is every Friday at at Sparks, we have this little treasure chest. And the treasure chest helps us to learn about Jesus. And we always open it with the key of faith. We open the treasure chest by yelling out that I believe that Jesus lives. We yell it over and over and then the treasure chest mag- magically opens. And this time the treasure chest called Noel up to the front. And inside were 48 candy canes. And I said, Noel, this is the treasure chest gift to you. And you have two options. You can take all 48 of these candy canes and keep them for yourself. Or you can choose to share them with everyone. And good news, guys. Immediately she said, I'll share them. Not even a doubt, just not even a question, just immediately went, now I don't know if she doesn't like candy canes, because that could be what it was. She'd be like, ah, candy canes, get them out of here. And so because she did that, I was going to give the candy canes to everyone no matter what, if she did wrong. But since she made the right decision, she got a candy cane full of chocolate too. But so that was to show her and show the kids that it was better to give. It was better to give than keep for yourself. And that's where the why of giving comes in. We give because Jesus gave much. And Philippians 2 shows us. Philippians 2, and you can read all starting at 1, but we're going to focus on 4 through 8. And this is what it says. It says, and this is speaking to the church in Philippi. Paul says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though... So let's just stop right there. He's starting off by saying, have an idea, have a mindset of generosity. Have a mindset of loving, have a mindset of caring. Put others before yourself and think of them before you think of you. You have that because of Jesus. And then the question becomes, why do we have it because of Jesus? And he says... Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Right there, pause. This is an undercover Christmas text. This is an undercover Christmas text because you read it and you think, oh, he's just talking theology. No, 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 no. He is talking about an amazing portion of the reality of Christmas, which is the incarnation. And so he says, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What he means there is he was saying that Jesus was perfectly, eternally happy and satisfied and everything was wonderful and he was there with the Father and the Holy Spirit and everything was perfect. Nothing could be better. And he said, I will go. I will go and I will enter into creation. Now, there is an aspect in which it could have been a little better. And that was fixing the relationship between God and man, which he was accomplishing. But Jesus wasn't saying, man, my life is empty. This isn't that great here. I am going to go there and find out if life is really amazing. Jesus was happy We're going to include 11. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know I added more than is up there, but I had to. I had to because it's just so good. And you're wondering, how does that connect to the why? How does the story of Jesus' birth, of him emptying of himself, of him choosing not to stay with the Father in perfect bliss and coming into this world how does that connect with the why of my giving? Well, the answer to that gets at the heart of what a disciple is. If your answer to you know the, if your answer to the definition of disciples is to simply list off the names of the twelve, you've missed it. If your answer to the what is a disciple is simply oh it's it's people that like read the Bible and do some stuff and that's it, you've missed it. Disciples students, pupils, learners. But the definition is not so dependent on what the word means. It's who the teacher is. Disciples are becoming like their teacher, which for us means we are becoming more and more like Jesus. That's our measure, which is terrifying because we don't measure up but what god is saying to us through these texts is that we are to grow more and more and more into jesus christ ephesians 4 15 says that beautifully growing up into christ and so for us to understand why we give we have to look at the one who gave the most and we have to say how am i becoming like jesus and the first question we have to ask is, are we giving like Jesus? Are we? Do we have that same heart? Because that's what we need to do. We need to give because Jesus gave. He is the measure, he is the reason, and he is the purpose of our giving to become like him. Second is the what. We give what God has given us. And our text is going to be second. I'm sorry. Our text. There's one of those amens. Hot. Matthew 25, 14 through 18. And this comes from the parable of the towns. And this is what Jesus told the disciples. And he says, for it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. The man who goes on the journey, connected with God, entrusts something to each servant. This is the important thing to know. These servants did not have this on their own. What they had was not their own. It was the masters. They were entrusted with a responsibility. And this responsibility was these talents. Now, so you know, a talent could be, it's it's silver money, and it weighed somewhere between 58 to 80 pounds. So when you're talking about a talent, you're not just talking about one little coin that you can ignore or set on a shelf, and it's like, oh, where did I leave that talent? Is it somewhere around here? No, it was something that was clearly a big deal. And so to dig a hole and throw it in the hole would be a hard thing. I think that was in the That was later. I jumped ahead a little bit. But so, these talents were things that the servants knew they had. They knew they had something special. They knew they had something significant. And they knew that their master wanted to do something big with them. The question becomes, what are we given? Because when we talk about give, our thoughts, first off, just jump, and at least mine do, jump to money. Jump to offering. Give becomes, oh, offering. Right? No. Give and the responsibility we have deals with the four T's. It's usually the three T's, but I changed it to the four T's. <clears throat> number one, time. Number two, talents. Number three, treasures. And number four, gifts. Like that. So four T's. There's another T in there. So time, talents, treasures, and gifts. Those are the four Tease of giving. Quick explanation time deals with our, our serving, our volunteering, our spending time together, the decisions that we use in our day, how we walk through our day with the Lord. Talents are what you are naturally good at, what you were taught at a young age to be good at, what you have trained yourself to be good at. And I think it's very important to be specific. I, I specifically have the talent of working. I just, you give me something to do, I will work at it. I make a mistake, I continue to work at it until it gets right. <clears throat> at a young age, I was good at singing, so a talent of mine was singing. I didn't view it as anything more, it's, not, it's nothing more than something that is innately created in you by God. That you are cultivating and crafting. And it's. I want to make sure that you notice that, because there's a difference for another one that comes up. Treasures refers to our money. It refers to our homes. It refers to the things we have to share in, to gather. And lastly, gifts. I have to have this on here because it's so important. It's different than talents. Gifts are referring to spiritual gifts. They're referring to the things that we have from God that come when we trust in Christ and come when we are changed By the Holy Spirit. And so those four are what we are responsible with. The things that God has put into our lives. Time, talent, treasures, and gifts. And we need to see them for what they are. They're not ours to just flit away. To waste. They are blessings from the Lord for his glory. They are blessings from the Lord for our growth as disciples. And they are blessings from the Lord for the needs of the body and the people that we encounter daily. They are our response abilities. And giving therefore is not just about treasure. When we're talking about giving, don't just think about treasure because it's way more than that. It's way more, way more responsibility than just your money. It's about the whole of your life. And how we have to give just as Jesus gave the whole of his life. Which takes us to our big idea. I'm going to put this here just to help you see it. The big idea for this message is just as Jesus gave of himself, so too must we give of ourselves. Which takes us to the third point about give. The how. And that's we give like Jesus. Sacrificially. Matthew twenty-five nineteen. So this is the rest of the text, starting in verse 19. So the talents have been distributed to the people, to the servants. They have them. And it continues. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he had gone away. Time had elapsed. And he came back to see how everything had gone. And he who had received the five talents, the five talents that weren't his, but were given by the master, came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me, to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Ah, just hear that one more time. Enter into the joy of your master. What a beautiful line. Continues. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. It's so it's so important to note. Each of these servants invested all of it. They didn't say, Oh, I'm just gonna take this portion and do this, and I'll hold back this portion. No. They invested all of it. Each one, except for one. Verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground, 60 to 80 pounds thrown in the ground. My goodness. Here you have what is yours, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Each servant chose what to do with the talents. They chose their responsibility. And the choice was not a variable choice. It was to use them or not. It was to do what God desired with them. Or to not. There was no other option. This was a binary choice. Yes or no. It is either used for the master's service. Or it is hidden. I want to note something important. Each was given according to their ability. So. This is not saying something where. Okay. You know what. You have a voice. So therefore you should become a preacher. Or, you can read a book, so therefore you should be studying theology all the time. Or, you know what, you have money that you made from work, so therefore you should give 100% of it to the church, or to a charity, or to someone in need. It's not the point. This is faith. You work out in faith, in relationship with God, what you are to give. We'll come back to that. But, there is an aspect in which sacrificial giving... Giving with an idea that this is going to be hard is so important. There's a missionary named David Livingston. He has a great name, just so so great. David Livingston. Livingston. Oof, good name. Wish I had that. I got strooping. It's got true in it and an onomatopoeia. But it's no Livingston. And he wrote the following. So this is a quote from him. He says. For my own part, I have never ceased to rejoice that God has appointed me to such an office. He was a missionary. People talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Is that a sacrifice, which brings its own blessed reward and healthful activity, the consciousness of doing good, peace of mind, and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? Away with the word in such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically No sacrifice. Say rather it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger. Now and then, with a foregoing of the common convenience and charities of this life, may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. And then his big quote, I never made a sacrifice. I love that phrase. I never made a sacrifice. David Livingston went through hell for the purpose of the gospel. He went beyond what was expected from him for the purpose of the gospel. And doing missions in his time is not like doing missions today. You would have to take a ship and you probably got sick on the ship. And so you would be going about on the ship until you were healthy enough to enter into the missionary field. And then the threat of death was greater than there is now because there was no threat of retaliation if an American or English missionary was killed in the field. It was just, oh, somebody died. Okay. And so to say, I never made a sacrifice. It's crazy. It's crazy. But it's good for us because we need to hear that when we think, do I have the time or energy to disciple this person? Can I spare giving this up so I can give to the church? Do I think that I am able to teach these kids? Are Friday nights something I can spare? Are Sunday mornings something I can spare? Can I make it to church when there is snow on the ground? These are questions that go through our heads and the reality is we need to live with that sentence. I never made a sacrifice in our hearts because when we do those things, when we give, what we will find is not hardship. When we do it according to faith, that's the key. We will not find hardship. We will find grace. Now, I'm not here telling you to give Everything. Sorry, I wanted to make that even worse. Hang up, but <clears throat> I'm not here telling you to give everything from your time, your talents, your treasures, and gifts. That's above my pay grade. I'm not here to tell you what percentage of time you need to use. I'm not here to tell you, okay, you need to stop watching Netflix this amount. I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing. I'm here to tell you who you need to be talking with about that. I'm here to tell you that it is very important that you have that conversation. I'm here to tell you that you need to work out with God what give means in your life. Because if you are a disciple, his word matters on the situation. And I want, in the midst of that conversation, I want to encourage you to never say the two words I said. Never say I can't. Never. With each of my proclamations, after a few years, admittedly I was challenged. In college, it became, I was talking about the word of God with other believers. I had been transformed through the grace of God. The Holy Spirit came upon me. My way of knowing was I finally understood the book of Romans. And I was like, hey, I've never been able to read the Bible before. This must be the Holy Spirit. And I trusted in the gospel and I was saved. And so I would go and started meeting with brothers and sisters in Christ at my school. And as we would talked through the Bible, they would say things like, you should try teaching other people. You're really good at leading discussions. And I would say, no, I'm not. I'm very impatient. And they would say to me, we've been talking for two hours about one Bible text. That's not the definition of impatience. If you were impatient, you would have walked away a while ago rather than trying to help me see this. After only being a preacher for a few years, or after only being a preacher and not dealing with kids, but only teaching and instructing adults, I was asked to help with children and to take the role of discipleship from not only adults, but also to kids as well. I said, I can't do that. No good with kids. So I was asked, well, why don't you just try it? Just try it. And for some reason, the little rugrats listened to me. And I think they even like me a little bit, too, which is amazing. But each time, one thing was very clear. What I was doing wasn't from me. What I was doing wasn't something that I was just naturally tailored to. I wasn't just able to do that before. And so I knew this wasn't a talent. What I knew was it was a gift. And it was a gift from God. And if it was a gift from God, then I very clearly needed to be using it in a specific way. And that was for the church. And so I want to ask you, have you looked at your life and said, what do I do with my time? What are my talents? What are my treasures? And primarily, what are my gifts? Because God has given you those for the building up of the body, for not only building yourself as a disciple, but for building all of us together as disciples into the image of Christ. Ask God about that. Take time. Pray through it. Go to him and ask, Lord, what are my gifts? Lord, how am I using my time? Help me to see what I should be doing with my money. Ask him about that. And then as you are pursuing him in his word, as you are meeting with other believers, as you are gathering together in small groups and gathering here, and that question comes up, he will give answers. And you will be challenged. And remember what David Livingston said. I never made a sacrifice. Will you pray with me? Lord God, We ask that we would have a heart that would say we have never made a sacrifice. We ask that we would have a heart that would say, Lord, have your way in all of our lives. Lord, we ask that you would help us to examine the way we give through our time, through our talents, through our treasures, and through our gifts. And that we would abound in love for you and sacrifice for one another. Help us to look to Jesus as we give. Help us to give of ourselves as we give. And help us to sacrifice with the knowledge that we are never making a sacrifice. And then let us remember those who gave five and those who gave two talents. those, Those who had those talents. And that upon returning to their master, when they went to him, he said that beautiful praise. That beautiful phrase. Enter into the joy of your Master. Lord, let us enter into that. It is in your Son's holy name we pray. Amen.